Parshas Bo. When we read the Pesukim that describe the departure of the Am Yisrael from Mitzrayim, we note the interesting fact that the time of the year, the spring-like weather, plays a quite significant role in the story. As they gathered to leave Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the people, Remember always this day that you came out of Egypt. Today you are leaving in the month of spring. Now you know that in the Torah, weather is a subject that is not discussed. This subject that becomes so important when you're standing on the street talking to someone, when you meet the grocery man or the elevator man, that's the first subject in America. But in the Torah, it's not discussed. And yet all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu comes along and points out to us that it was a spring day. Now it's quite strange that Moshe Rabbeinu should make a big deal about this. There were many things he could have told the Am Yisrael as they gathered together to begin their journey towards freedom. I myself could think of some some very important Yisraelis that Moshe Rabbeinu could have given over at this most opportune time. But to point out the weather conditions, he wasn't a meteorologist. And if it was cold and rainy, would it have made a difference? They were going out to freedom. Ask the man who was released from prison after 50 years if he cares about the temperature on the day he left. He doesn't remember and he doesn't even care. He's free at last. And yet Moshe Rabbeinu did say, you're leaving today and look outside, it's a beautiful spring day. And Rashi asks, didn't they know it was spring? So what was Moshe Rabbeinu telling them? Pay attention to the kindness that Hashem is bestowing upon you. That he took you out in a month that it's fitting for departure. It's not too hot, it's not too cold and it's not raining. Hashem took out his prisoners when it was fitting, during the month in which it is most fitting to depart. Now we should also take a peek into Shir Hashirim at Shlomo HaMelech's description of Hashem speaking to his people on that great day of Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim. Arise, my love, my beloved one, and go forth from Mitzrayim. Because now the winter has passed and the rains are gone and the traveling through the desert wilderness will be much more pleasant. The days of spring are here when the trees begin to produce their flowers and those who travel delight in their colors and fragrances. The time of birds singing and chirping has arrived, which adds the additional joy of sweet sounds for those who travel in the spring. And so my beautiful beloved, says Hashem to the Am Yisrael, now is the time to arise and leave Mitzrayim. So we see that Hashem made a point of bringing out the Am Yisrael from Mitzrayim dafka then, during the days of springtime. And even more so, the Torah tells us that the entire scheduling of the year is dependent on the Yom Tov of Pesach falling out during the spring to commemorate this event. You must guard the month of spring, for it is in the month of springtime that Hashem, your God, took you out of Egypt. Devarim. And what does guard the month of spring mean? Chazal tells us that the month of Nisan must always fall out in the spring and that sometimes the Sanhedrin must even add a month to the calendar just to ensure that Nisan should not fall out when it's still winter. And all this so that the Yom Tov of Pesach should fall out in the beautiful days of springtime. Because Hayom Atem Yotzim B'chodesh Ha'aviv and we want to remember and to commemorate that we left Mitzrayim in the spring. And that's a very big question. Because what difference does the spring make for a nation that is escaping 210 years of bondage? The month of Chodesh Aviv, the ripening of the grain, would certainly be a joyous time 
once they would enter Yisrael. But here, as they were departing from Ramses, they were far from the promised land and had no benefit at all from the ripening of the grain. What difference is it to such a people escaping slavery, loaded down with riches, that birds are chirping in the branches? So, so what that the flowers are blooming on a beautiful spring day? We're talking here about real happiness. The excitement of escaping the freedom and great wealth. And you're talking about chirping birds? This isn't my question, by the way. I heard this said over in the name of the author of Slobodka when I was in Europe. And because the altar's answer is the foundation for how we are supposed to live successfully in this world, so we'll spend time understanding his words. The altar said that the spring weather, with all of its varied pleasures, was chosen purposely by Hashem to enhance the occasion of Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim. Even in the mountain heap joy of liberation, and even though they were loaded down with the wealth of Mitzrayim, they were expected to not overlook the weather and not to overlook the budding trees and the chirping birds. And why not? Because it was so important for the Am Yisrael to learn right now when they were leaving the bondage of Mitzrayim to become Avdei Hashem, that the happiness of a true servant of Hashem won't come from the great events of life, the great jolts of good fortune, the ecstatic moments of great happiness. A new baby, a new car, even if it's Yitziad Mitzrayim, that won't make a person truly happy. It's only the small gifts of life, like a balmy spring day and a bird chirping in the trees, that are the true happinesses of life. What we're learning from the words, today you are going out in the month of spring, is that the joy of life is not the big things in life. Of course, there's a time for that too. It's a big simcha when you have a child. And it's even a bigger simcha when you marry that child off. You won the lottery, it's a simcha. You got the job you wanted. You finished the mesechta. These are all big simchas that are a good reason to rejoice. But those aren't the things that will make you a happy person. The happiness of transient events, even Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim, only happen once. Always slips out of your hands sooner or later. And you're left with the day-to-day simple pleasures of life, like a spring day, that Hashem is always bestowing on you. And it's all of those small things that are supposed to make you a happy person. Now you can't just tell a man, be happy, learn to see the good things in life. It's like saying nothing at all to him. This subject of happiness is a science. And like any important subject, its study takes effort on your part. If you'll say to someone, just put in optimistic spectacles and look at the world through rosy eyeglasses, you're not helping him one bit. There's work to be done besides for putting on the rosy colored spectacles. And what work is that? Every form of happiness is an obligation upon you to appreciate and become even more of a happy person. A person becomes a happy person because of the small things in life. Now don't say that your experience contradicts this because it's not true. You don't have the experience. You never tried it. It's necessary to dedicate your lives to the study of all the details of happiness that you have in your life in order to become the happy servant of Hashem that He expects. And so we'll begin our career of happiness by reading together the words of a Mishnah. It's a Mishnah that most of us say, but none of us fulfill. Ezhu Ashir, who is a wealthy man? 
Hasameach Bechelko. Someone who is happy with what he has. Now everybody knows that. Everybody says it. But nobody practices it. The Mishnah is telling us here what HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects from us. That we should practice it. And that we should fulfill it. Hashem wants that we should become wealthy. Otherwise, why did He tell us that? Why did He say, Ezuhu Ashir? If it's not important, why tell us? Just as a fact, some more information to know? No, that's not the reason. It's because that's what you're expected to become. Hashem wants you, wants that you should become that, that Ashir who is Sameach Bechelko. Now, it's important to point out that Sameach Bechelko means that you're satisfied with what you have. It doesn't mean that you're satisfied with what you have. It means that you're happy, that you're full of joy. Hashem wants you to enjoy Oilam Hazeh, to, to be a person overflowing with happiness. And it's an art that you have to get busy learning. Before we begin, the first thing is that you must get out of your head any thoughts that precious means to be unhappy. No, precious means to be happy without luxuries, to be happy with all the multitude of pleasures of living life itself. And that's who Hashem says is the wealthy man. So Ezehu Ashir, who is the rich man? Hasameach Bechelko, the one who trains himself little by little to be happy with all of the things that he already has, the things that are available to him all the time. And who is the poor person? The perpetually sad man, the man who is empty. He never learned anything about the happiness of life. All he learned was to want more and more. Gimme and gimme and gimme. He wants more and more. And therefore, his whole life is nothing but a pursuit after what he doesn't have. And because of that, he fails to enjoy Chalko, what his portion is right now. All through life, you're missing the fun of life. Because wherever you turn in life, wherever you look, you're going to encounter with your eyes on all sides reasons to sing and dance with joy if you know how to use the details of life to become happy. We just have to open our eyes and apply our minds and be willing to put effort into finding the real happiness in life. If we do that, the happiness within us would well forth and life would become full of fun. It would be endless fun and happiness without the new car and without the trip to the zoo or the amusement park. It would be all the details of life itself that makes you a happy person. Because the joy of life is not the big things. And it's not one small thing either. Because what does chalko mean? Chalko means your portion in life. And life is not one thing. Life is a combination. A sum totals of tens of thousands of phenomena. And it's necessary to make each phenomenon a separate study. So that whenever you encounter that phenomenon, it will cause you happiness. If you study how two things make you happy. So now, you'll have two things that cause you happiness. If you've studied 50 things. So 50 things will cause you happiness. The more subjects you study, the more phenomena you appreciate, the more happiness you will get out of life. Like David HaMelech said, I sing at the deeds of your hand. And the, whole, and, and the only way to do that is to put your mind to what you have. And all these things add up to being a wealthy man. Hashem wants you to be wealthy. If you don't learn this, Hashem is disappointed in you. I'll give you an example. If you study, let's say, the wind, the wind, 
Let's say a man would learn to enjoy the wind. Now it may seem silly to you, but that's because you've never studied the subject of happiness correctly. Because really, wind is a subject that can make you endlessly grateful and happy. There's a lot of fun in wind, but you have to study it. Study the winds? Now go tell that to people outside, they'll laugh at you. But it's a Gemara. The Gemara tells in Mesecha, in Mesech the Gittin, that a Chacham was once walking and he saw two sages who were sitting engaged in study. So he said to them, what sudya are you learning now? So they said back, we're talking about winds. Two sages of the Talmud are sitting talking about winds? That's what we should do. Maybe we should sit down sometimes and talk about winds. Now some people even tell me they Chachamim didn't learn the correct Peshat in this Gemara. Why would they talk about winds, some of Arshim thought? So they developed other interpretations of this Gemara, what Ruchus means. But that's not the Peshat. The Gemara is telling us that they sat down to discuss wind, because the study of wind is a study of Ezu Ashir Hasameh Bechelko. If the wind didn't blow, we couldn't live. The world could not exist without winds. Nothing would grow without the wind. You wouldn't have a piece of bread if not for wind. You didn't know that? Well, you should start knowing it right now. If not for the wind, there would be no food because the winds keep the air moving so that the minute proportion of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, three parts in 10,000, is made available to plants. Otherwise, the plant would use up all the surrounding carbon dioxide and would die. So when it's windy and you have to hold on to your hat, that should be a cause for happiness. That's your watermelon blowing by, your bread and your meat. It's refreshing, invigorating, and it's also the key to life itself. If the winds would be discussed and studied properly, so the next time there would be a, a zephyr or a blow or a hurricane, a breeze, whatever form it would come in, it's going to cause us happiness. Now, I'm not saying that we'll go wild with happiness. It's only one phenomenon, one detail, but it will make you happy, no question about it. And winds are blowing all the time, and they don't cost much money either. So learn to enjoy it. It might might take some time. It takes work. But after a while, after you begin studying the phenomena of wind and appreciating it, so wind becomes a stimulus for happiness. So a person is walking in the street and a slight breeze is tickling him. It's refreshing. And it also arouses in his mind all of those pleasurable thoughts. So that's one contribution to a career of happiness. Now a breeze is only one thing. But this world is a gift of many happinesses for us. The trees and the flowers, the clouds and the rain, the blue sky, the sun and the moon, the soil and the leaves, our hands and our eyes, our feet and our shoes. And you have thousands and thousands of other things. Hashem is giving you plenty of air and plenty of water. You have clothing and food. You have garments. You have a roof over your head. You have a place to sleep. You have a home. A home. You can lock the door and sleep at night. Not like the homeless people who have to sleep near the railroad tracks and other dangerous places. Life is a veritable wellspring of happiness. But all of this is just devarim ba'alma. It's just words. You can't just be a happy person because of everything. Everything is nothing. The path to true happiness is in the details. 
People have to teach themselves one thing at a time. Now wind is only one example of the happiness of this world. To learn the happiness of life, you have to study all the details, moving one subject to the other, one after the other after the other. And when you add together the sum total of many small phenomena, then they add up to a true happiness in life. If we would do this, we would actually learn together how to enjoy the phenomena of the world and become happy people all the time. And as life progresses, we'd be adding new ideas into the treasure chest of our minds that cause us happiness. We're adding riches into our mind and at the same time, we'd review the old ones more deeply. Every day you can become happier and happier with the simple details of life. And slowly, little by little, you add one more thing and one more thing and you become an Ashir. You become wealthy. And we'd find that from all sides we're bursting out with song. You'd walk down the Brooklyn Street Meshuggah with happiness. And once you achieve this wealth, so you'll never be unhappy again. You can't be unhappy if your life is filled with thousands of small happinesses all day long. Because no matter what happens, you feel you still have air to breathe. Air all you want and water to drink all you want. You still have a roof over your head. You still have shoes to wear. You have sunshine and you have teeth. And that's only the beginning of the list. And once you become a happy person... You'll be able to withstand all the nisyonos, the trials of life. Life is not easy. There are always ups and downs. And if you don't achieve this wealth of Samech Bechelko, no matter what you can purchase and no matter how many cars you have, you will be fundamentally unhappy because you never learned what real happiness is. But once you achieve the wealth of Samech Bechelko, then no matter what, you're a happy person for the rest of your life. And therefore, the first thing we must do is to clarify what it is that we're supposed to be happy about. What does Chelko really mean? Now, what is the first aspect of Chelko that all of us sitting here now have? Your portion means, first of all, that you're alive. You never thought about that, Peshat, did you? You were thinking that it means that when you finally make $500,000, so then you'll be happy. You'll be Sameach Bechelko even though you don't have $2 million yet. Now that's not what Chelko means. If you're still alive, that's already your portion that you're expected to be full of joy about. Because there is no happiness like being alive. The happiness of being alive is an intense experience only that we're so accustomed to it that we ignore it. Let's say a person would enjoy the fact that he is alive. Oh yes, how lucky you are that you're alive. Don't say it's nothing. It's everything. A millionaire would give up all of his poverty to stay alive. All of his property. A millionaire would give up all of his property to stay alive. You're alive. And there are plenty of people you know, some of them even your age, who are not alive anymore. I myself look back when I was a boy. Some of my chaverim passed away early. There was a 14-year-old friend of mine. He passed away. A 20-year-old friend of mine passed away when I was in the yeshiva. You know what fun it is to be alive? And there's a simple way to discover it. Here's a man who's going to a specialist because his physician found something. And he's afraid he has something terrible. So the specialist gives him a complete series of tests. Blood tests and scans and everything else. 
And then he has to go home for a few days and wait for an answer. For those few days, the man can think of nothing else except for the phone call he's expecting from the doctor. What is anything worth if he won't be able to live? And finally, the doctor calls him into his office and sits him down and tells him, I'm sorry to tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. Now, when this man walks out of the doctor's office, he's stepping on clouds. He's walking through Brooklyn and he's the happiest man in the whole city because now he's enjoying the sweetness of life. How sweet it is to be alive. The happiness of walking a Brooklyn street knowing that you're alive is unequaled in all the pleasures of the wealthy. Only that what happens? He walks on clouds from here to Avenue P, just two blocks. And then he's back on the ground again. He's walking on the sidewalk again because he forgets. And that's a tragedy. Because the happiness merely of being alive is a tremendous happiness that can keep you walking on clouds all day long. If only people would bestir themselves and say, why should I let this treasure go lost? Why should I wait until the day comes when I'm 119 years old and I'm lying in bed in a home for the aged and I'm looking through the window at the people walking the streets outside? I see how beautiful life is and I'm thinking, "That that was once me. I never realized how much fun being alive and walking the streets could be. And now I only have one or two days left. You know that when a man is lying in the hospital, he knows that his days are numbered. He says, if I could get on the street again, I could once more walk around, once more, what a happiness it would be. He's jealous when he looks down from the hospital window and sees people walking in the street and living. And for him, soon it will be over. Of course, if you have it every day, after a while, your mind becomes stullified. If you haven't studied it, then you don't even appreciate it anymore. Like I told you earlier, it's a science. You need to create a program for happiness. It won't come merely because you came here to the lecture and listened to me. Because if you don't get busy making yourself happy, all this talk here is a waste. You have to learn how to be Sameach Bechelko. You have to learn to be Sameach in your chalet of being alive. And so when you pass a funeral parlor on Coney Island Avenue, there are a number of funeral parlors. As you pass by one, you say, Baruch Hashem, I'm on the outside. I'm not joking. I'm very serious now. And when you pass by the next one, Baruch Hashem, I'm on the outside. There are three of them there. So by the third one also, Baruch Hashem, I'm on the outside. Say it with your mouth again and again and again. To be outside the funeral parlor is a simcha. Inside, it's a funeral home, a home. You might think that it's comfortable and there's music for the mason. And they serve lunch for the mason. He's in a box and that's all. And you're outside. Baruch Hashem, I'm on the outside. Now being alive is a happiness. Ad en sof. No question about it. But you have to expand on that happiness because there is much more than life itself. Because not only are you alive, but you have functioning kidneys. I know a man who has no kidneys. It's already years and years that he's on the waiting list to get a kidney. Three times a week he has to go to the clinic for special treatments instead of a kidney. It takes hours and hours each time and it's expensive. But he's happy to be alive. He's happy to have a machine that keeps him alive. Because he knows that it's a tainuk to be alive. And if he could get just one kidney, how happy he would be. He wishes he could be you. He'd be delirious with joy. 
And here's a man who finally was able to get a new kidney. He has one that he borrowed from his sister, who was kind enough to give him one of her kidneys. So now he's a transplant man. You think it's so simple? This man cannot take certain medicines because they might upset his anti-rejection system. He takes a, reg- a, regim- a regiment of medicines to suppress the immunopressive reaction in him that would reject the new kidney. After all, the kidney is not his. It's foreign matter inside his body. So the tendency of the body is to reject it. And so he's always taking medicines to suppress the rejection apparatus. And there are some medicines that are sometimes vital to a person. Maybe he gets an infection and he needs antibiotics. But now this man cannot take them because they would interfere with his anti-rejection medications. So this person may become subject to infections that he cannot combat because he cannot take medicines. And so all of his life, he is living precariously with his one kidney. Now, how does this man look at the same world that you look at? If he sees somebody with, who is glum and downcast, you know what he thinks? He's thinking, that man is crazy. He has something to be sad about. He has his own kidney. A kidney is a great happiness, a natural one that fits in exactly where it's supposed to be. It's suited to everything in his body. All the cells in his body have an especial, peculiar individual makeup, and they accept his kidney. While the kidney that this poor fellow has is being rejected by all the cells in his body. He is constantly in fear that maybe someday the cells in his body will win the fight. It's a tug of war after all. And when this man sees you on the street, he doesn't understand how you cannot be ecstatic. Not only do you have your own kidney, but you have two of them. You're not only a millionaire, you're a multimillionaire. Now I'll say it again because you have to get it into your thick heads. Hearing this is not going to make you happy. You have to get to work. So when you go to the bathroom and your kidneys are working perfectly, your bladder is functioning perfectly, you were successful in your mission, are you thinking about it and becoming a happy person? You make an Asher Yatsor. But while you're making the bracha, you're making motions to somebody in the house. Wait, wait, I'll be done in a second. That's the way you make an Asher Yatsor. A man without kidneys, if he could make Asher Yatsor, what a happiness it would be. You have to bestir the happiness in your mind. At least when you're making the bracha. And actually, even that is not enough. All day long you should be thinking about your kidneys. Of course, All day long you can do, but during the day when you're walking the street, take a minute to feel like you're walking on clouds because you have functioning kidneys. And don't say it's impossible to live that way. It's possible. You have to just get busy doing it. It's hard work. You do it one day and then the next day, and you have to do it it even more. When you pass by a dialysis clinic, stop for a half a minute, 30 seconds on the clock, and thank Hashem for the joy of having a kidney. And if you do it, if you become happy with your kidney, so now you're a millionaire and you're ecstatic because you have two kidneys, so you're a multimillionaire. So now you're a multimillionaire, but that's only the beginning. I know a man who had to have an operation and he can no longer eliminate by means of his anus. He now has a bag attached to his side. You have to realize that this man walks the streets envying everyone who has a rectum in the right place. If he could restore that natural function that his orifice should be where it's supposed to be, that man would give away all of his earthly possessions. There's no question that he would prefer being a beggar with a rectum 
to being a millionaire with a bag on his side. Now we see how silly all of mankind is if they don't sing because of what they possess. And not only when you use that orifice, when you move your bowels, but all day, frequently as you walk down the street, you should bestir this happiness in your mind, how lucky you are, how convenient it is, how comfortable it is, how wealthy you are. It's a joy to have the function of natural elimination. And it's a cause for actual tangible pleasure and for singing. A man who has sense, Torah sense, actually rejoices in his ability to eliminate. Now the more, the more you learn how to be happy from all of these things, so it grows on you. It becomes part of your personality. Little by little it grows upon your mind an attitude of optimism. And you become a happy personality. I'm so happy to be alive, to be on this side of the cemetery gate. That's what you should think about when you walk down the street. And not only am I alive, but I have kidneys. Now that's a wealth. And not only kidneys, but I don't need a bag on my side. I'm normal. It's a great happiness to be normal. So now we begin to see that it's important for us to dwell on details. You have to take one thing at a time, maybe one week. You'll work, let's say, on enjoying air, getting the pleasure of breathing. The truth is that when you walk outside tonight, you should take a deep breath. Ah, You should say it's really a tainuk. No cocktail that you could buy in the store compares to the cocktail of fresh air. People walk in the street today and they drink in the street to show off their drinking. That's mishugas. What do you need it for? Drink in the fresh air. It's free of charge and it's much healthier. Fill your lungs. It makes your blood become red immediately. The fresh air. Get into the habit. One week, learn to praise Hashem for air. This week, whenever you can, think about the happiness of being able to breathe fresh air. After a while, you'll be happy when you think about the air. Breathing is fun. I once told you about a simple experiment, didn't I? Dip your head into a bucket of water three times and take it out only twice. Anyhow, then wait till you can't anymore. And finally, you take it out. This time, and you'll take out, and you'll take one deep breath. Ah, that is delicious. The truth is that it's always delicious. Breathing is delicious. So let's say you're walking to the base Akanesis, and you tell yourself, isn't it a wonderful thing that th- there is air to breathe? Now, at first, it's a Chiddush Gadol. Air? I'm afraid that even if you tell it to Talmidei Chachomim, it's a big Chiddush. You tell him, yes, air is vital. I'll prove to you that it's what you need more than anything else. You can get along without food for days and days, without water for a shorter time, but you can get along without, but you can get along without water too. For a few days maybe, but without air, you can't get along. It says in the Medrash on the Pasuk, Kolon Hashama Tehalelka, that I'll call Nishima Vinishima Tehalelka. For every breath, you have to say Hallel. And my Rebbe said, it means Gan's Hallel. For every breath, you owe Hashem a full Hallel. Now, you don't have time for that. You're too busy breathing. But at least you have to know that that's how delicious it is. When a person is a little bit dejected, discouraged, what a good idea it is to go to the window and breathe deeply. We don't realize it's like a drink of very strong medicine. Air comes into your lungs and the oxygen unites with your blood and makes your blood more red. It's a fact. 
As you breathe, your blood becomes more invigorated with oxygen. The iron in your blood that makes it red, the hemoglobin, unites with the oxygen and it carries the oxygen on its path through all the blood vessels, everywhere in the body, to invigorate all of the cells. The whole body is different because you breathe and therefore it's a good idea to practice breathing just for the feel of it, just to to appreciate that great gift of air. The world is full of air. That's what it means, So a man will tell you, that means the glory of Hashem. Where does air come into it? What do you think it is, the glory of Hashem? The glory of Hashem is chesed. The chesed of Hashem fills the world. And one is, what is one of the most prevalent kindnesses of Hashem? Air! HaKadosh Baruch Hu made 200 miles of it. 200 miles up of air. Now the air is not one thing, it's a cocktail mixed exactly with the right ingredients to make it not only beneficial to us, but it tastes good too. It's mixed with oxygen, about 20%. All the rest is mostly nitrogen and inert gas because you need something with which to carry the oxygen. If the air was all oxygen, you'd become drunk. If you would breathe oxygen alone, you would get dizzy, you'd become intoxicated. So you have to have the nitrogen to dilute the oxygen. And a little bit of carbon dioxide is essential because it's an incentive to your lungs to breathe more deeply. And then traces of a few other gases together and it makes together a combination of the perfect material that's suited for human beings. You know what we are? We are like fish in the bottom of the ocean. Fish in the ocean. Fish don't like air. They want water. We are in an ocean. We are in the ocean of air. The ocean is 200 miles high. We're like fish living in this ocean of air and we love it. That's our element. If we were to change places with a fish, we wouldn't be happy. Just like a fish wouldn't be happy if he took our place. And therefore, let's enjoy this ocean while we have it. So practice up on this. On the way home, when you walk out of here onto Ocean Parkway, it's a beautiful street, a parkway filled with trees and bushes. Now after the rain, they're exuding a fragrance and the combined fragrance of different kinds of shrubs and trees combined with the city odors. It's a pleasure, those city odors. And they combine to give a certain cocktail that you don't drink. You draw it deep into your lungs and you can learn to enjoy it. You think a summer home in Maine and a winter home in Florida is going to make you happy? No, that's nothing. What good would the home be if you were strangled without air, if you were suffocating for air? Breathing is a big simcha because people, some people have difficulty breathing. You know that some people have difficulty breathing? Ah, it's a pleasure to fill your lungs. Mama Shatainuk, don't laugh at breathing. It's a great happiness to breathe. So you've begun now to scratch the surface of the happiness of breathing. It was only a week of thinking after all but you're a wealthy man already. Now suppose you would spend the week becoming happy that you can walk. So the next week, change and start appreciating the fact that you can walk. Walking is a simcha. How happy am I that I can walk? Look how many people sit in wheelchairs. Walking is fun. Your thighs swing forward in effortless motion and all of your joints are functioning to perfection. You don't hear any scraping as you bend your knee, do you? That's a simcha. You don't feel any chafing. Ah, it's a pleasure to walk. And it's good exercise too. The entire body is moving. It's good for your heart. It's good for everything if you walk. 
And besides for that, walking shows that you're in control of yourself. All of your muscles cooperate to walk and you learn what it means. If you walk in the street and you see, like I saw yesterday, a girl who was hopping around on crutches, but the stump on her other leg didn't stick out. That's how much was cut off. Now that was an apparition. An apparition. Sent to me, Mina Shamayim. Because how much would this girl give to regain her leg? No money in the world would be too much. And therefore, as you walk in the street, you have to think about the bracha. That bracha that you mumbled in the morning. Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam HaMechim Gaver. I thank you, Hashem, for establishing the footsteps of a man. I'm able to take footsteps on my own feet. It's a happiness to be able to walk on your own two feet. You know how ecstatic a man is? who has been confined to a wheelchair for a long time. He wasn't able to walk. And finally, he regained that ability. He's overjoyed. So the second week, you'll work on the happiness of walking. Now you're an even wealthier man. You own a few apartment houses already. You have your lungs that are breathing in the great elixir of life we call air. That's one apartment building. That's yours. Another another apartment building is the happiness of being able to walk. That's a very valuable piece of property. So you're already a pretty wealthy fellow. You can walk in the street now and your pockets are full full of cash. If your pockets would be full of $100 bills bulging on both sides, it's nothing compared to the person who spent just two weeks working on the happiness of fresh air and on the ecstasy of walking. As I walk in the street, balancing myself on two legs, and I'm breathing the air of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm enjoying life. So we're beginning to see now that in order to be a Sameach Bechelko, you have to be a queer kind of fellow. You can't always share your feelings with other people. They'll laugh at you. Don't speak into the ears of a fool. He'll make light of these ideas and cool you off, Mishle. There's a fellow over there down Ocean Parkway who's happy. That he has two kidneys? Ha! Try to tell people that you're filled with joy, you're mamish besimcha, because breathing is fun. So they'll think you're wacky. But they're the wacky ones, because they're missing all of the happiness of this world. I know what you pe- what the people will say when you go out of here. You'll talk to people and they'll tell you other things. Don't be misled. Here comes along a from tzaddik and he says to me, you're teaching people to enjoy life? The purpose of life is tainugim. To be roid of tanugim, run after pleasures? He was upset at me. I looked at him and said, look, you have a wristwatch. I don't have a wristwatch. You drive a car when you come to the yeshiva. I walk to the yeshiva. Who is running after pleasure, you or I? You're running after it, but you don't have it. I'm not looking for pleasures. They're coming to me. As I walk in the street with my Rolls Royce, my two shoes. That's my Rolls Royce. And I'm breathing the air of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I'm enjoying life. I walk past the cemetery on Ocean Parkway and I'm filled with happiness that I'm on this side of the gate. That kind of kosher tanugim is chiv. It's a chiv. It's a mitzvah gedoyle to enjoy life that way. All of this is serious talk. I know that if you go to a kolel, and you tell them these things, they'll laugh at you. That's because they're silly. They don't begin knowing Torah. And don't tell me that enjoyment and happiness is not for tzaddikim. Oh no. You big tzaddik, you don't want to enjoy the sun and the wind. He's eating chocolate. He's eating ice cream. But to be happy with the sun? Oh, that's too much. 
Happiness is not running after good times, not going halila to entertainment and fun places. No, chas v'sholem. Chas v'sholem, that's mishugas. People who are running after good times are never enjoying life. They're always running after good times and fun, but they never find it. Never. They're always busy running, pursuing, but they'll never find it because they're looking in all of the wrong places. Who needs places of entertainment to be happy when you, when you have all the happiness right here? Look at yourself. I'm alive. Baruch Hashem. Look at your feet. Baruch Hashem. Two of them. And they're both the same size? Look at your ears. Baruch Hashem. They're earphones hanging on the side of your head and you don't have to buy them in the store. You have teeth, slicing teeth in the front and grinders in the back. Baruch Hashem. You have a functioning tongue that's busy all day in your mouth. You have speaker in your mouth, vocal cords, Baruch Hashem. And eyes, cameras in your head, Baruch Hashem. You can walk, Baruch Hashem HaMechim Gaver. That's some trick you have there, being able to balance yourself as you walk. Baruch Hashem. And that's only the beginning. You have to learn how to be happy with your clothing. It's not enough to say the Baruch of Malbisharumim in general and putter yourself. You have to study the details of your clothing in order to become a happy person. The pockets and the buttons, everything. Study it. Study your shoes. Shoes are a happiness. Did you ever think about that? You know in some countries people don't have shoes. Only one man wears shoes. That's the king of the tribe. And not every day. Once in a while he puts on shoes. When a visitor comes from outside, a tourist, so he wants to show he's a sport, so he puts on shoes. Otherwise... He doesn't put on shoes. Shoes are a big luxury. It's a very complicated achievement. A shoe. Look at the different kinds of leather and rubber heels. And you need shoestrings. A shoe is a treasure. So let's say a colonel from the American Air Force lands on that island. So the king takes his shoes out from his treasure chest and he puts them on. And he marches with his short pants covering his naked body with some feathers in his head to greet the colonel. And he shows him his shoes. He's so happy. He's an aristocrat. He's wearing shoes. We should know that shoes are a happiness. It's not an exaggeration at all. It's no exaggeration. Shoes are a happiness for us. Just because you live in a country where everyone can afford shoes, should that decrease the happiness in any way? That's why we're expected to say every day, Shasali kol tsarki. But we're lazy. We don't think. Often we're not even thinking about the Perush Amilis. The Perush Amilis. I'm not talking now about the formality of making the bracha and shul. When you're walking down the street, take a minute every day to be happy with your shoes. Think about the details. How lucky I am to have shoelaces that have plastic tips. If there wasn't a plastic tip, then I'd have a hard job fitting it into the hole. I'd have to spit on it, twist it, and try to push it through the hole. Baruch Hashem, I have plastic on the tips of my shoelaces. Once you begin to think this way, you, you can begin to be happy with all the functions in life. I mentioned the sense of sight before. I can't just gloss over it quickly. You're able to see. If you don't appreciate that, then take a look at the person walking in the street with a white cane, tapping his way. What would he do if he could get eyes like you have today? Even one eye. It was recently reported in the papers that a woman who had a cataract for many years and her situation was considered hopeless. She was a married woman with children, but she had no sight. And then it was decided to attempt an experimental operation on her. 
For a long time, the bandages remained on her eyes. And finally, the doctor came in and he took off the bandages. Just for a moment, they were taken off so as not to strain her eyes. But in that one moment, she screamed in delirium. She could see and the doctors were weeping. They were overcome with emotion. Now, isn't it a tragedy that we don't weep in happiness at this great gift of sight that we have? Baruch Hashem Pokeach Ivrim who opens up the eyes of the blind every morning. Finally, this lady saw her husband for the first time. She finally saw her children. And she said that she didn't want anything more out of life except to be able to look. The happiness of sight, the happiness of seeing color. Seeing is, it, is life itself. The Gemara says that in one sense, a blind man is like a dead man. He's not dead. There are a lot of compensations in life. But in a certain way, he's dead. Because the great happiness of having two cameras is a joy that a living person shouldn't be without. Even one camera, how lucky we are. And it's a color camera that focuses by itself all day long. It's working perfectly. Focusing in, focusing out. Every time you blink, you're washing off the lenses with a film of germicide that cleanses. It's a perfect functioning camera that has no equal among the best fabrications of mankind. That's how you're expected to think. That is Sameach Bechelko. Not that you're satisfied with merely $500,000. When a man learns to enjoy the fact that he has two good eyes, he is more wealthy than the man who has $2 million. So how can we be satisfied in the morning with the dry as dust declaration, Pokeach Ivrim, which most times we don't even think about what we're saying. Now, isn't that a tragedy? Now we have to keep on going. Look all around you. Did you ever see a man with only one arm? Two weeks ago, I saw a man without any arms. Both arms were missing. And I said to myself, look, you learned Chayvah Salavavas, don't you? How could you pass him by? So I took another look and I, I waited till he passed by. I didn't want to embarrass him. And I took another look to remind myself. And for at least a half a block, I was walking on air, thinking how lucky I, I am to have two arms. Think what it would be like if you didn't have two arms. What would you do? For a half a block, I was ecstatic. But a half a block is not enough. It has to be all the time. Not only do you have arms and legs, but your mind is normal. Ooh, what a chesed that is. So many people are very confused. Mental illnesses, imbeciles and depression. Depression is also a sickness. It's also like being an imbecile. And therefore, Baruch Hashem, Hadas. How can you say Shemona Esrei every day and ignore that bracha? It's the first of the weekday brachas. And you're thanking, and you're thanking Hashem that you're sane. Three times a day you say it. Shouldn't you appreciate that great gift? Hadas. You bestowed sanity upon me, Hashem. Appreciate the roof over your head. Did you ever stop to appreciate the happiness of a warm house? Once upon a time when a Jew came into his house, ah, varam mishtub, he said, a varam mishtub. In the base Hamidrash, it was freezing. I sat in Slobodka and we were freezing in the yeshiva. We were freezing, mamish. It was hard to heat the yeshiva. The stove was over there at the end behind the wall. And you put in some wood there till it burned out. It was barely enough to heat that little room. If you would stand next to the stove, you would feel some heat. Otherwise, it was cold. 
And so you would come home and it was a great happiness to be in a Vamrishtub. You should be filled with joy when you come into a warm house. And today, you can enjoy that happiness in the base Medrash as well. Warmth is a great happiness. You can ask that poor woman sitting outside on the bench on Ocean Parkway. She has no home. I see her pushing a shopping wagon with all of her belongings in that little wagon. She has no warm place to sleep. If somebody would let her rest in the vestibule of their, in the vestibule of their home, it would be the greatest happiness for her. She'd be meshugah with joy. Now that's a chiddush to most people. A warm house? Yes, a warm house is a happiness. It's not easy to have a house that's warm. When I was a boy, we didn't have warm houses. It was only warm in the kitchen where the coal stove was. You had to put coals in the stove. When the coal burned out, you had to take the ashes out of the stove. That was the only room where there was warmth. If I wanted to read, I laid down on the floor in the kitchen. I laid on the floor all day and all night in the kitchen by the stove. All the rest of the house didn't have any warmth. We didn't have any radiators, no such thing. The house was cold. If you wanted to warm a house, you put kerosene stove, a kerosene stove in the rooms. The kerosene stove had to have oil. And sometimes it didn't work. When you got up in the morning, the whole room was black, including your face too. It made every, everything black. The soot from the kerosene stove. This luxury of having a warm hell house is something the modern people have to realize. Ah! What it is a pleasure to have a warm house. So when you walk in with your children in the wintertime from the base Knesses, say, Chaimlu, Chaimlu, isn't it good to have a warm house? Rub your hands together. He'll look at you like you fell off the moon. He doesn't understand you. How silly these adults are, he thinks. But never mind. That is the way to bring up children. And eventually, he will thank you for that. When I was in Slobodka, nobody had running water in the house. You had to go a half a block away to get water. And you couldn't drink it. It was dangerous to drink well water. You had to boil it up first. And here in your house, you turn on the faucet and water comes out. Pure water fit to drink. What a wealth. What a happiness that is. And even hot water too. Hot water coming out of a faucet? It's a luxury upon luxuries. Once upon a time, hot water only came from springs, hot springs. If you didn't have hot springs, you couldn't get any hot water unless you boiled it. Think about that every time you turn on the faucet and you'll start becoming a Samet Bechelko. You have to talk to yourself about your home. As you walk on the steps, you should whisper to yourself, isn't it good to have steps? You know, I have steps upstairs. And many times I think about how in the olden days in the Gemara, they didn't have steps, they had a ladder. A drug, a darga. They cl- try climbing a ladder to go upstairs. It's not so simple. It's not so simple. Now, even a ladder is also a very good invention. Otherwise, you would have to go up with a rope. You'd have to lift yourself up. But even a ladder is not so safe. Steps are a luxury. So here you have a man walking up steps and he's thanking Hashem for this luxury of steps. For the happiness of a staircase. But not only the steps, there's a railing too. You know the building code requires you to make a railing. So, 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 so some chachamim try to avoid the building code and leave out the rail. They deceive the inspector. So what happens? Sometimes they're walking up the steps and they're a little busy and they fall down. You could break your neck, Khalilah. The railing is there, it's a happiness. Mamish pikuach nefesh. 
What a blessing a handrail is. You even stop to think about that? Never, ever once did the handrail make you happy. All this is silly, you'll say. For Mishugayim, everything is silly. So let them be Mishug- let them be Mishugah, and you'll be happy. You walk up the steps and you're happy because of the handrail. And the older you get, the more happy you'll enjoy it. The more you'll enjoy it. Imagine a man enjoying the handrail. His life is full of fun, full of happiness. You learn little by little. Of course, it's a career. You have to put in work. You could put in five minutes a day practicing enjoying air. Five minutes a day practicing enjoying your eyes. Five minutes a day next week practicing enjoying walking. Five minutes a day practicing enjoying your clothing. And little by little you're gathering up in your bank account wealth. And little by little you're becoming a happy man of many riches, many treasures. But you have to do it. You have to do it though. Just hearing me say it is not enough. It takes work to be a fake millionaire. So to be a true millionaire... Hasameach Bechelko surely takes time and hard work. Like I said before, it doesn't come by itself. You have to make up your mind that you're going to pursue this career of happiness and that you'll always be saying, I thank you, Hashem. Always. I thank you, Hashem, for giving me this breakfast. I thank you, Hashem, for being able to go to the bathroom. I don't rely on the brachas that I make. You must say it with your mouth in your own language. Always. And then your mind will be transformed because of your speech and you will become a happy man. At first, it won't work. You won't feel so happy, but you keep thinking and talking and these ideas will settle into your mind. That's what Mesilus Yashorib says, The outwardliness bestirs the inwardliness. It's not sincere. You're not so happy about breathing, but keep it up. And little by little, you're priming your well. And from the depths of your neshama, real happiness will come out. Little by little, you're adding more things. And all the things after a while start adding up and you become a real millionaire. And after a while, you have 40, 50 things. And that's nothing yet. Because there's so much more than that. But you'll be happy with 40 things and you'll be a very rich man. You'll be a rich man already. And if you're a young man yet, even a young man of 60, you'll keep on this path on this career until you're in your 90s and you'll be a very wealthy person. I guarantee you that if you do it, you will become happy with so many wonderful things that you always have taken for granted. And you will become a servant of Hashem and a great man. Not only will you become a happy person, but you will become a great person. So make sure to to rejoice in all of these things and life becomes so delicious. Life, is so full of fun that you're always at a party. People are at a party. People at a party are really morose. Let's say, Khalila, you were at a New Year's Eve party and you saw people reveling, singing and dancing and blowing whistles, jumping up and down. It's nothing. It's an empty happiness. They don't have anything on the man who is really enjoying life. They don't even begin to understand what you, the happy man or woman, is all about. You're always rejoicing. Now there is a lot more to be studied on this subject. I have a lot more things listed that I wanted to talk about tonight. But I'm already way past time. But at least we began studying the subject. It's a science that must be studied and practiced. But at least we know that there, was such, there is such a thing as happiness the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects it. 
And it's available to all of us. And don't ask me questions. Why don't I see this from my Rebbe? Why don't I see this from a Sadiq? Don't believe it. The real Sadiqim know that this is the path to true happiness in life. Because it's the path, the way of happiness that Hashem set down for us on the day we left Mitzrayim. And people who don't walk this path set down by HaKadosh Baruch Hu are falling short of great, are not, are, I'm sorry. And people who don't walk this path set down by HaKadosh Baruch Hu are falling short not of great madregas. Don't think they're falling short of high levels of virtue and perfection. No. They're falling short of the elementary requirements that Hashem taught us on that great day of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Hayom atem yotzim b'chodesh ha'aviv. That is the beauty of a spring day and the thousands of other ordinary details of our lives that are supposed to be the real source of our happiness. And therefore, they're falling short of living happy lives, infused with the endless joy of all the simple pleasures of life, symbolized by the lesson of Chodesh Haviv. Have a wonderful Shabbos.